Hare Krishna. This is a reading from the Srimad Bhagavatam. Third Canto, Chapter 21, Texts 32 through 47. The Lord reveals he will appear as the son of Kardama and Devahuti, and Swayambhuvamanu arrives with his wife and daughter. Text 32 O great sage, I shall manifest my own plenary portion through your wife Devahuti, along with your nine daughters, and I shall instruct her in the system of philosophy that deals with the ultimate principles or categories. Purport by Srila Prabhupada. Herein, the word Svamsa Kalaya indicates that the Lord would appear as the son of Devahuti and Kardabhamoni, as Kapiladev, the first propounder of the Sankhya philosophy, which is mentioned here as Tattva Samhita. The Lord foretold to Kardabhamoni that he would appear in his incarnation, Kapiladev, and would propagate the philosophy of Sankhya. Sankhya philosophy is very well known in the world, as propagated by another Kapiladev. But that Sankhya philosophy is different from the Sankhya which was propounded by the Lord himself. There are two kinds of Sankhya philosophy. One is godless Sankhya philosophy, and the other is godly Sankhya philosophy. The Sankhya propagated by Kapiladev, the son of Devahuti, is godly philosophy. There are different manifestations of the Lord. He is one, but he has become many. He divides himself into two different expansions, one called Kala and the other Vibhinamsa. Ordinary living entities are called Vibhinamsa expansions and the unlimited expansions of Vishnu Tattva, such as Vamana, Govinda, Narayan, Pradumna, Vasudev, and Ananta, are called Svamsa Kala. Svamsa refers to a direct expansion, and Kala denotes an expansion from the expansion of the original. Baladev is an expansion of Krishna, and from Baladev, the next expansion is Sankarshan. Thus, Sankarshan is Kala, but Baladev is Svamsa. There is no difference, however, among them. This is very nicely explained in the Brahma Samhita, 546. With one candle, one may light a second candle. With the second, a third, then a fourth, and in this way one may light up thousands of candles, and no candle is inferior to another in distributing light. Every candle has the full candle power. But there is still the distinction that one candle is the first, another the second, another the third, and another the fourth. Similarly, there is no difference between the immediate expansion of the Lord and his secondary expansion, 
the Lord's names are considered in exactly the same way. Since the Lord is absolute, his name, his form, his pastimes, his paraphernalia, and his qualities, all have the same potency. In the absolute world, the name Krishna is the transcendental sound representation of the Lord. There is no difference in the potency between his qualities, his name, his form, etc. If we chant the name of the Lord, Hare Krishna, that has as much potency as the Lord himself. There is no difference in potency between the form of the Lord whom we worship and the form of the Lord in the temple. One should not think that one is worshipping a doll or statue of the Lord, even if others consider it to be a statue. Because there is no difference in potency, one gets the same result by worshipping the statue of the Lord or the Lord himself. This is the science of Krishna consciousness. Text 33. Maitreya went on. Thus having spoken to Kardamamuni, the Lord, who reveals himself only when the senses are in Krishna consciousness, departed from that lake called Bindusarovra, which was encircled by the river Sarasvati. Purport by Srila Prabhupada one word in this verse is very significant. The Lord is stated here to be patyag aksaja. He is imperceptible to material senses, but still he can be seen. This appears to be contradictory. We have material senses, but how can we see the Supreme Lord? He is called adhoksaja, which means that he cannot be seen by the material senses. Oxyja means knowledge perceived by material senses. Because the Lord is not an object that can be understood by speculation with our material senses, he is called Ajita. He will conquer, but no one can conquer him. What does it mean, then, that still he can be seen? It is explained that no one can hear the transcendental name of Krishna. No one can understand his transcendental form. And no one can assimilate his transcendental pastimes. It is not possible. Then how is it possible that he can be seen and understood? When one is trained in devotional service and renders service unto him, gradually one's senses are purified of material contamination. When one's senses are thus purified, then one can see, one can understand, one can hear, and so on. The purification of the material senses and the perception of the transcendental form, name, and quality of Krishna are combined together in one word, pratyag aksaja, which is used here. 
Text 34. While the sage stood looking on, the Lord left by the pathways leading to Vaikuntha, a path extolled by all great liberated souls. The sage stood listening as the hymns forming the basis of the Sama Veda were vibrated by the flapping wings of the Lord's carrier, Garuda. Purport by Srila Prabhupada In the Vedic literature, it is stated that the two wings of the transcendental bird Garuda, who carries the Lord everywhere, are two divisions of the Sama Veda, known as Brihat and Ratantara. Garuda works as the carrier of the Lord. Therefore, he is considered the transcendental prince of all carriers. With his two wings, Garuda begins to vibrate the Sama Veda, which is chanted by great sages to pacify the Lord. The Lord is worshipped by Brahma, by Lord Shiva, by Garuda, and other demigods with selected poems and the great sages worship him with the hymns of the Vedic literatures, such as the Upanishads and Samaveda. These Samaveda utterances are automatically heard by the devotee when another great devotee of the Lord, Garuda, flaps his wings. It is clearly stated here that the sage Kardama began to look to the path by which the Lord was being carried to Vaikuntha. It is thus confirmed that the Lord descends from his abode Vaikuntha in the spiritual sky and is carried by Garuda. The path which leads to Vaikuntha is not worshipped by the ordinary class of transcendentalists. Only those who are already liberated from material bondage can become devotees of the Lord. Those who are not liberated from material bondage cannot understand the transcendental devotional service. In Bhagavad Gita, it is clearly stated, Yatatam apisidhanam. There are many persons who are trying to attain perfection by striving for liberation from material bondage. And those who are actually liberated are called Brahmabhuta or Siddha. Only the Siddhas or persons liberated from material bondage can become devotees. This is also confirmed in the Bhagavad Gita. Anyone who is engaged in Krishna consciousness or devotional service is already liberated from the influence of the modes of material nature. Here it is also confirmed that the path of devotional service is worshipped by liberated persons, not the conditioned souls. The conditioned soul cannot understand the devotional service of the Lord. Kardamamuni was a liberated soul who saw the Supreme Lord in person, face to face. There was no doubt that he was liberated, and thus he could see Garuda carrying the Lord on the way to Vaikuntha, and hear the flapping of his wings, vibrating the sound of Hare Krishna, the essence of the Samaveda. Texts 35 and 36. Then 
after the departure of the Lord, the worshipful sage Cardama stayed on the bank of Bindusarovra, awaiting for the time of which the Lord had spoken. Swayambhuvamanu, with his wife, mounted his chariot, which was decorated with golden ornaments. Placing his daughter on it with them, he began traveling all over the earth. Purport by Srila Prabhupada The emperor, Manu, as the great ruler of the world, could have engaged an agent to find a suitable husband for his daughter. But because he loved her, just as a father should, he himself left his state on a golden chariot along with his wife to find her a suitable husband. Texts 37 through 39. Ovidura. They reached the hermitage of the sage, who had just completed his vows of austerity, on the very day foretold by the Lord. The holy lake, Bindu Sarovra, flooded by the waters of the river Saraswati, was resorted to by hosts of eminent sages. Its holy water was not only auspicious, but as sweet as nectar. It was called Bindu Sarovra because drops of tears had fallen there from the eyes of the Lord who was overwhelmed by extreme compassion for the sage who had sought his protection. Purport by Śrīla Prabhupāda Kardama underwent austerities to gain the causeless mercy of the Lord, and when the Lord arrived there, he was so compassionate that in pleasure he shed tears, which became Bindu Sarovra. Bindu Sarovra is therefore worshipped by great sages and learned scholars because, according to the philosophy of the absolute truth, the Lord and the tears from his eyes are non-different. Just as drops of perspiration which fell from the toe of the Lord became the sacred Ganges, so teardrops from the transcendental eyes of the Lord became Bindu Sarovra. Both are transcendental entities and are worshipped by the great sages and scholars. The water of Bindu Sarovra is described here as Shiva Mrita Jal. Shiva means curing. Anyone who drinks the water of Bindu Sarovra is cured of all material diseases. Similarly, anyone who takes his bath in the Ganges also is relieved of material diseases. These claims are accepted by great scholars and authorities and are still being acted upon, even in this fallen age of Kali. Text 40 The shore of that lake was surrounded by clusters of pious trees and creepers, rich in fruits and flowers of all seasons, that afforded shelter to pious animals and birds, which uttered various cries. It was adorned by the beauty of groves of forest trees.
Purport by Srila Prabhupada. It is stated here that Bindu Sarovara was surrounded by pious trees and birds. As there are different classes of men in human society, some pious and virtuous, and some impious and sinful, so also among trees and birds there are the pious and the impious. Trees which do not bear nice fruit or flowers are considered impious, and birds which are very nasty, such as crows, are considered impious. In the land surrounding Bindusarovra, there was not a single impious bird or tree. Every tree bore fruits and flowers, and every bird sang the glories of the Lord. Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Ram, Hare Ram, Ram Ram, Hare Hare. Text 41. The area resounded with the notes of overjoyed birds. Intoxicated bees wandered there. Intoxicated peacocks proudly danced, and merry cuckoos called one another. Purport by Srila Prabhupada The beauty of the pleasant sounds heard in the area surrounding Lake Bindu Sarovra is described here. After drinking honey, the black bees became maddened, and they hummed in intoxication. Merry peacocks danced, just like actors and actresses, and merry cuckoos called their mates very nicely. Texts 42 and 43. Lake Bindu Sarovara was adorned by flowering trees, such as Kadamba, Champak, Ashok, Karanja, Bakula, Asana, Kunda, Mandara, Kutaja, and young mango trees. The air was filled with pleasing notes of the Karandava ducks, Pallavas, swans, ospreys, waterfowl, cranes, chakravakas, and chakoras. Purport by Srila Prabhupada For most of the trees, flowers, fruits, and birds mentioned here as surrounding Bindusarovara Lake, English synonyms cannot be found. All the trees mentioned are very pious, in that they produce a nice aromatic flower, such as the champak, kadamba, and bakul. The sweet sounds of waterfowl and cranes made the surrounding area as pleasant as possible and created a very suitable spiritual atmosphere. Text 44. Its shores abounded with deer, boars, porcupines, gavayas, elephants, baboons, lions, monkeys, mongooses, and musk deer. Purport by Srila Prabhupada 
musk deer are not found in every forest, but only in places like Bendu Sarovra. They are always intoxicated by the aroma of musk secreted from their navels. Gavayas, the species of cow mentioned herein, bear a bunch of hair at the end of their tails. This bunch of hair is used in the temple worship to fan the deities. Gavayas are sometimes called chamaris, and they are considered very sacred. In India, there are still gypsies or forest mercantile people who flourish by trading kasturi, or musk, and these bunches of hair from the chamaris. These are always in great demand for the higher classes of Hindu population, and such businesses still go on in large cities and villages in India. Texts 45 through 47. Entering that most sacred spot with his daughter and going near the sage, the first monarch, Swayambhuvamanu, saw the sage sitting in his hermitage, having just propitiated the sacred fire by pouring oblations into it. His body shone most brilliantly, though he had engaged in austere penance for a long time. He was not emaciated, for the Lord had cast his affectionate sidelong glance upon him, and he had also heard the nectar flowing from the moon-like words of the Lord. The sage was tall. His eyes were large, like the petals of a lotus, and he had matted locks on his head. He was clad in rags. Swayambhuvamanu approached and saw him to be somewhat soiled, like an unpolished gem. Purport by Srila Prabhupada Here are some descriptions of a brahmachari yogi. In the morning, the first duty of a brahmachari seeking spiritual elevation is huta hutasana, to offer sacrificial oblations to the Supreme Lord. Those engaged in brahmacharya cannot sleep until 7 or 9 o'clock in the morning. They must rise early in the morning. At least one and a half hours before the sun rises, and offer oblations. Or in this age, they must chant the holy name of the Lord, Hare Krishna. As referred to by Lord Chaitanya, Kalo nasteva 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 gatir anyata. There is no alternative, no other alternative, no other alternative in this age to chanting the holy name of the Lord. The brahmachari must rise early in the morning and, after placing himself, he should chant the holy name of the Lord. From the very features of the sage, it appeared that he had undergone great austerities. That is the sign of one observing brahmacharya, or the vow of celibacy. If one lives otherwise, it will be manifest in the lust visible in his face and body. The word vidyotamanam indicates that the brahmachari feature showed in his body. 
That is the certificate of one who has undergone great austerity in yoga. A drunkard or a smoker or a sexmonger can never be eligible to practice yoga. Generally, yogis look very skinny because of their not being comfortably situated. But Kardamamuni was not emaciated, for he had seen the Supreme Personality of Godhead face to face. Here the word Snegnapavanga Valokanat means that he was fortunate enough to see the Supreme Lord face to face. He looked healthy because he had directly received the nectarian sound vibrations from the lotus lips of the Personality of Godhead. Similarly, one who hears the transcendental sound vibration of the holy name of the Lord, Hare Krishna, also improves in health. We have actually seen that many brahmacharis and grihasthas connected with the International Society for Krishna Consciousness have improved in health, and a luster has come to their faces. It is essential that a brahmachari engaged in spiritual advancement look very healthy and lustrous. The comparison of the sage to an unpolished gem is very appropriate. Even if a gem just taken from the mine looks unpolished, the luster of the gem cannot be stopped. Similarly, although Kardama was not properly dressed and his body was not properly cleansed, his overall appearance was gem-like. 